What's up, everybody? Welcome into the newest episode of the Big Ten Buzz Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Sager. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam G. Sager on Instagram at the same, on TikTok at the same, where you'll find little snippets of this show, the Sean Salisbury Show, which I'm also a part of here on the Believe Network. Uh, good thing. So go check out all the social medias. Give a follow. Go to Believe.com. Uh, follow the show. Uh, both shows, Sean Salisbury Show and Big Ten Buzz on there. You can go to Spotify, iHeartRadio, um, all the different podcast platforms to find each and every episode of this show. Subscribe. You'll get them as soon as they come out. Give them a listen. Let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter. Send questions my way. You want to know about the Big Ten teams as this season keeps going? Uh, we got some fun matchups this weekend, and I'm going to get into it um, in just a little bit. Tony Liebert of GopherHole.com and the host of the Believe in Minnesota Football podcast. We'll talk about the Golden Gophers and their hot start to this season and get a little insight on uh, Tanner Morgan, Muhammad Ibrahim, uh, the loss of Chris Ottman Bell, uh, and what he thinks about the Big Ten. Um, he has a school number two that I was not um, – I was kind of surprised that he had number two in the Big Ten. He'll talk about that as well and just – Learn more about this Minnesota football team that not a lot of people know about, but they're one of the better teams in the country. Their defense is playing at a great level right now in terms of scoring defense. They're number two in the country. They're only giving up six points per game. So uh, they are a team to watch, and I've been talking about them, talking about my tiers, uh, and I'll give my tiers next week after we see this weekend's set of games. But we got some interesting matchups this weekend, and let's get into that before we get to Tony Lieber here in just a little bit. Let's start with the big one right at 11 o'clock on Fox, big noon kickoff, number four, Michigan at Iowa. Yes, this is Iowa where they've struggled offensively until the last few weeks. They put up points against bad teams, but they've done it. You know, they they handled Rutgers. They, they beat them 27-10. They handled Nevada 27-0. So the offense is clicking a little bit more. I, I think that they haven't had anywhere near a test like Michigan. And I also think, you know, Michigan's traveling their first road game. I think that's something to watch for to see how it happens. And Iowa always plays. I've seen the tweet a thousand times over the last couple of days. Iowa plays top five teams well in Kinnick. And that's where Michigan will be playing. Now, I think this is a different Michigan team than in years past. I think J.J. McCarthy is going to be ready to play this week. I think he's upset by the big throws he missed. And let's remember, I talked about this earlier this week. <clears throat> J.J. McCarthy, I, I mean, it, it was like he played the worst game we've ever seen a quarterback play last week. He was 18-24. He missed big, the, the, the throws he missed were the big throws the down-the-field throws that he's been hitting early this season. I expect him to be much better at that this week. They will take shots against this Iowa defense, which is really good. They will um, try and stretch the defense and then give Blake Corum room to run. Hopefully, Trevor Keegan's going to be back. Hopefully, Donovan Edwards will be back. Hopefully, Eric All will be back. We're still waiting to hear on all three. Um I think this is a big game for Michigan, and it's a big game for Iowa. Iowa, you don't want to lose ground to Minnesota. If you're Minnesota, this is the week where, man, you're hoping 
for the Big Ten West race, you're hoping that Michigan wins this game, give you a cushion. So, you know, I, I look at this Michigan-Iowa game is very uh, going to be very telling, I think, for both teams. If Michigan come out and get after Spencer Petras and, and and make life hell for him early, I think Michigan's very good at stopping the run. I think that uh, Michigan could run away with this game um, early. I, I think because big plays, you're going to see them take shots early. I think I'm pulling it up now. Michigan's an 11 point favorite, and that feels right. Um, I, I I think that Michigan's offense is just better than what we've seen, uh, what we saw last week in terms of stretching the field. I don't expect JJ McCarthy to be overthrowing his guys. Remember, that was his first Power Five start. Things were a little bit tighter, but he's a great quarterback, and I think. Things will slow down a little bit as you know he gets into this. Um, so I, I would probably lay the points because, listen, Iowa has not seen a defense. Iowa State's a good defense, solid defense, but Michigan's is better. So I, I think that Iowa's going to have trouble scoring, and I think Michigan's going to be able to put up enough points. You know, you're looking at a – I think you could see like a reverse score, like a 27-10 from the Iowa's game last week against Rutgers. I think Michigan could win 27-10, maybe 27-13, right in that range of uh, of predictions if, if I'm looking at it. So I would probably lay Michigan and the points here. <coughs> Excuse me. Moving on, um, we got uh, uh, Minnesota. I don't want to call it a like a trap game or – they're facing Purdue. We're still waiting to hear if Aiden O'Connell is going to play. If Aiden O'Connell doesn't play, Minnesota should run up the score. You know, this should be a 35-10, 35-7 type game, just like they had last week against Michigan State. If Aiden O'Connell plays, I think things change a little bit. Aiden O'Connell's very, very good. I think you could be looking at a closer game. Um, it's 10 and a half last I saw. Uh, I'll pull it up here to get the exact score um, as of right now when I'm recording this. 12, okay, they've got it up to 12 and a half. That seems a little high, um, but with the way Minnesota's been playing, I, I can't really, you know, fault them for putting it 12 and a half because Purdue's been disappointing to me. So I look at this and, you know, I would probably right now, if Aiden O'Connell plays, I would say take Purdue plus the points. If he does not play, I would say take Minnesota, lay the points. Then running through the rest of the games, we got Illinois at Wisconsin. I think this is a game that will tell us a lot about both teams. Brett Bielema going back to Wisconsin. I think this is a game that Illinois sneaky. They had a bad loss to Indiana. They should not have lost that game. But there's still a sneaky team. Wisconsin has been a disappointment. I think, you know, just getting shellacked by Ohio State last week took a toll on them, uh, and then losing at home to Washington State took a lot out of it. Like, it's just been a rough couple weeks for Wisconsin, and Illinois has been playing better. I'd probably favor Wisconsin for sure here. Illinois is going to have to stop the run. You load up the box, and you make Graham Mertz beat you. I don't know that he can so that's what you got to do if you're Illinois. If you stop the run, you have a legit shot in this game. 
We got Rutgers at Ohio State. That should be a blowout. Uh, it shouldn't be close. You know, another 50-pointer for Ohio State and Rutgers. Maybe scores two touchdowns. Uh, Northwestern at Penn State. Again, this game should not be close. This should be a game that Penn State runs away with. And Northwestern's the type of team that every year they seem to win one of these games. Will it be against Penn State? I'm not thinking so. I don't think they go to Happy Valley and, and get this win in Beaver Stadium. I just don't think that happens. Um, Northwestern's been putrid this year. We're going to talk about them in just a second for what they announced yesterday, which is very exciting. Um, and then we got Michigan State at Maryland. If Maryland plays like they did last week, and the same goes for Michigan State, this should be a Maryland win. Maryland's weapons with Demis and and um, now I'm going to completely forget everybody else. Uh, Rocking Jarrett and, and the other guys, Juwan Johnson, that are on this Maryland team on the outside, they should have a field day with uh, Tolia Tagovailoa. This passing game looked good against Michigan. They could not get deep though. They could I, against Michigan State. They can do that. So right now. Maryland's an eight and a half point favorite. I would I would lay the points. So I expect Michigan State to struggle against this Maryland offense, um, passing the ball, and then you got the big backs there with MB and and uh, the other um, big running back blanking on his name. I think this should be a win for Maryland at home, and a two and three start for for Michigan State. That's rough. Then next week you are home against Ohio State, home against Wisconsin. You're losing to Ohio State. Wisconsin is a very similar team to you, um, but Wisconsin might be a little bit better. At home you might be favored slightly, but level teams, you could lose that game. And then you go to Michigan after a bye. We could be sitting here looking at at a Michigan State team that's two and six. After giving Mel Tucker that big contract, the $95 million contract that everybody talks about, you start two and six. Oof. That's a that's tough. Even if you're three and five. I mean, now you're flirting with not finishing with a winning record because you still got to face Penn State. Yeah, you have Illinois Rutgers and Indiana, but if you're not playing well, why can't those teams beat you? So uh, this is a big game for for Michigan State. Uh, And then finally, we got Indiana and Nebraska. I don't need to waste time on this game. That's the two of the worst teams in the Big Ten. Um Yes, I know Indiana's got the record, but I think they're three and one, but they're just not that great of a football team. And <clears throat> excuse me, Nebraska is just not that good. Then we had some exciting news come out of Evanston yesterday about the University of Northwestern. Listen, Ryan Field is a dump. It's not a great place to play. The 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 field is just old and it needs replaced. Well, Northwestern has come up and said that we have plans to build a new stadium. That looks incredible. Looks awesome. And the fact, you know what I love they're doing? They know they're not a 100,000-seat stadium type of school. That's just, that's never going to happen. 
So they want to build a new Ryan field right where the old one is and make it a 35,000 seat stadium. That looks amazing. That's 12,000 less than what they have now, but you pack them in tight. The, The design of it looks very, very cool. If you haven't seen it, just go type in Northwestern stadium. You'll see the pictures pop up. Um, they're still looking, you know, figuring out um, the city of Evanston still has to okay everything. <clears throat> but, I mean, why wouldn't they? I mean, this is a chance to take what is not good and make it really good in a university that has been building up. They got the new practice facility. This is the last step for the football program. Get this new stadium. It's going to be awesome. And, and the plan is, after the next season, after the 2023 season, they tear down Ryan Field and then take two years to build up the new one. Okay, so where do they play in the meantime? Well, it's easy. You travel right up down the road um, to Soldier Field. You make it work. It's what? I mean, if you play six or seven home games in a season and you're there for two years, you can figure out 13 times in two seasons to play at Soldier Field. All right, now let's get to Tony Liebert of gopherhole.com. All right, up next on the Big Ten Buzz podcast is Tony Liebert, host of the Believe in Minnesota Football podcast with the uh, kicker Matthew Trickett and also a contributor to gopherhole.com. Tony, really appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, I mean, it's been a great start to the season for the Golden Gophers 4-0 in my opinion, they're the best team in the Big Ten West. And what I've seen from Wisconsin, what I've seen from Iowa, the other two competitors, in my opinion, in the West, they're hands down the best team in the West. And, uh, you know, we'll kind of get into everything about this team, but this team starts with Muhammad Ibrahim. I mean, he's the best player on the team, in my opinion. He's had a great career there at Minnesota, had the injury last year, comes back and looks just as strong as ever, you know, the fifth-year senior has 89 carries for 567 yards. That's almost six and a half yards per carry and eight touchdowns. What's the secret to his success? I know the offensive line, the center, you have to shout out every time because he's one of the best centers in football. Um, But what's the secret to their success as a team running the football? Yeah, that's a great question. I think – since P.J. Fleck has gotten to Minnesota, uh, they've kind of been a run-heavy offense, and uh, that that's kind of started with a veteran offensive line. Um, last season was kind of their peak where uh, they had a lot of fit, fourth- and fifth-year seniors up front, um, the head, the headlined by big Daniel Falele, who got drafted by the Ravens. And heading into this offseason, there were, uh, there were a lot of questions with the running game because they had to replace four new starters. You mentioned – uh, John Michael Schmidt's coming back at center as one of the best in the country, but um, they, they had to replace all four other starters and they did that through the transfer portal and uh, developing guys who've already been here. And uh, like you said, Muhammad uh, Ibrahim has, ca- he came off a pretty significant Achilles injury last year at or against Ohio state in week one. Um, so the, there was there was no I there was a lot of questions of whether he was going to be able to replicate the success he's had, and I think it's fair to say for at least that that injury has not bothered him at all, and I think what makes him special, um, running the football, 
It's just his ability to break tackles. He makes the uh, runs that other guys would have for one, two, three yards. He makes those into six or seven, and those just add up after after a while. And when you're playing in the Big Ten in a conference that runs the ball a lot, and if you're able to get six, seven, eight of those five, six yard runs in a game, it just it it just wears on a defense. Yeah, for sure. It's it's a it's a conference wide thing that they love to run the football. But we have seen teams start to go to the air a little bit more and more. And Minnesota just lost their big-time target in Chris Ottman-Bell to the season-ending injury. You know, he's been there forever. Very good wide receiver. Who needs to step up in his place? And how big of an impact does that loss hurt the offense? Yeah, so that, that's another oh, great question. I would say that uh, Chris Alvin Bell losing him for the Gophers, um, he, he might not be levels above the rest of the wide receivers talent wise in the in that position room, but the leadership that he provided on the field, it's a relatively uh, young wide receiver group, at least with guys that uh, haven't had much production. I think his career stats were uh, better in catches, yards and touchdowns than the next five guys combined. Um, but against Michigan State last week, they kind of they did step up and they showed that they have the talent. Um, PJ Fleck has shown to do a very good job at developing wide receiver talent with Corey Davis at Western Michigan and then Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman with the Gophers. And he certainly has that level of talent in the wide receiver room still. Um, I'm a big fan of Dalen Wright, who was a Texas AM transfer. Um, he certainly looks the part of an elite wide receiver talent, um, 6'4", uberly athletic. Um, he was a four-star prospect coming out of high school, and he's kind of been the talk of camp and practice for the last two seasons. And he's shown it. He's shown flashes on the football field um, on Saturdays, um, but it hasn't it hasn't molded into consistency yet. But I think last week we started to see that he had a few catches and. Uh, Daniel Jackson, who was another talented player, had two touchdowns last week. Uh, Mike Brown-Stevens, another very talented receiver, stepped up last week, um, had the most catches and yards on the team. Um, and then the, in the another guy in the passing game is tight end Brevin Spanford, who's been kind of a guy that Gophers fans have always been pleading to get more involved in the passing game because it seems like whenever he gets the ball, he goes for 25, 30 yards. And – uh, he had a big game against Michigan State. I think he had three catches for about 60 yards. And it's just it, – it's going to kind of be more of a team effort. I think it might be different every game who leads the team in receiving yards now. But I think the Gophers certainly have the talent at that position to uh, to recover from a significant loss like Chris Oppenbell. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, it doesn't just affect the wide receiver room. Tanner Morgan, the quarterback, you know, loses that veteran – presence he's had with him for so long and you know Tanner Morgan had the big 2019 where he had 30 touchdowns thrown and then kind of came back the next two years kind of once the pandemic started and he's been rather pedestrian in terms of touchdowns and and just hasn't been the guy that everybody thought he was going to grow into be into almost a real NFL prospect a top you know two round guy uh what do you see difference this year because he's starting to show he's that guy again and yeah is is it something they're doing different or does he just feel more comfortable after kind of going through a lot of different things with the pandemic? 
Yeah, that, that was definitely the talk of um, the offseason. It, it kind of was the number one X factor for this Gopher season. If Tanner Morgan was able to get to that 2019 form that he had, the ceiling's kind of the limit for this team, and they've kind of shown that so far. And I think what's changed is the uh, biggest, I guess, personnel difference from the past to this year. Um, offensive coordinator Kirk Scirocco, who was with the team in 2019, left and went to Penn State, and then he uh, fizzled out there pretty quickly, and then I think he was at West Virginia last year, and then he came back this year replacing uh, Mike Sanford Jr., who was the offensive coordinator the two years that Chirac had left, and now Sanford Jr. is at Colorado, a program that kind of kind of struggling a little offensively. Yeah, just a little but, bit. <laughs> uh, I, I think that kind of shows that that personnel change had a lot to do with it, um, that even the Gophers played Colorado and uh, you could kind of just see a, a big difference, at least schematically between the two offenses. And I think Tanner was just put in not many favorable situations when uh, Mike Sanford Jr. was calling plays. He was asked to create a lot and move out of the pocket. And that's not really his game. I think he would admit that he's not the most athletically gifted quarterback, but when when he's put in good situations, he's a great decision maker. And I think that's kind of shown so far this year. And that change I think has been what's kind of helped him regain that form. Cause even off the field, he went through um, a lot during the pandemic, his uh, father passed away. He recently got married. And I think now just with Kirk Schrock back and uh, just the offense kind of clicking, it just, he's kind of back to his 2019 self, like you said. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, when it comes to the NFL draft and stuff, because like I said, he was thought of as a guy that was trending towards being a top round pick and then that fall off. And now, like you said, you get back to familiarity with a guy that you trust and we see the dividends paying right away in the first four games of this season. But we got to look at the other side of the ball and the defense has only given up 24 points in four games. If you do the math, that's only six points per game. That's really damn good. And in fact, it's second in the nation. Tell people about this defense, because I don't think a lot of people know much about this defense. When you just look at all the names, you're not like, oh, that's, you know, that's a bona fide first round pick. Like they lost, yeah. uh, uh, what's his name the, to the draft Boy, last year? Mafe. Yeah, yeah Mafe. Yeah. And, and tell people about this defense because they're flying around. Yeah. So uh, heading into this season, that's definitely, I think, what got most fans excited and got me excited for the potential of this team. Um, like you mentioned last year, they kind of, might add bigger names with Boye Mafe, who was a, a draft pick. Um, Asezi Otomiwo, another defensive end who got drafted by the Vikings, I think, in the sixth round. Um, and then they, they had a few other bigger names at cornerback. But the just the overall depth of the defense this season, it, it really is, like, astonishing. They can almost go two or three guys deep at all 11 positions on the football field. Um, I, the Led by um, – Moriano sorry Marin's probably the most recognizable guy maybe on the defense he's been there for three four years now and kind of the leader at the linebacker position but uh the secondary is what is really I think the strength of this football team as a whole um they really have almost four or five cornerbacks they can throw at you and then three safeties uh Justin Wally was one of the best true freshman corners last season and uh this year I think Terrell Smith might even be the best corner on the team. His improvement from last year to this year, I think, is taking the defense from one of the best in the country to arguably the best. And 
Um, he's turned into one of the best corners in the Big Ten, if not college football. And um, outside of him, you have uh, Beanie Bishop, a Western Kentucky transfer who's played well. Um, Ryan Stapp, Abilene Christian transfer who's played well. And then in the back end at, at safety, one of the best safety duos in the country with Jordan Howden and Tyler Newbin. They've been back there uh, together for about almost three years starting now. And you can really tell their um, their cohesiveness that they have at that position. And it's like they're just working together. It's like they've worked together as one. And my favorite guy on the defense is uh, Michael Dixon, who's kind of that – he can play as that third nickel corner. He can play as another linebacker. He can play as safety. Um, he's a super versatile uh, football player. He looks absolutely shredded. He's 6'2", 220-pound straight muscle. And uh, he's kind of that guy, that chess piece that defensive coordinator Joe Rossi can move around. And that's just one of the things that Rossi has done so well in the past few years that I think will ultimately earn him probably another coaching job pretty soon because he's been one of the best defensive coordinators in the country as of late. Yeah, coming this weekend, they play Purdue. Is there anything that stands out to you that, you know, gives you some worry? We don't know if Aiden O'Connell's going to play. He was out last week, still murky if he's going to play this this weekend or not. Is there anything about that team? Because I thought they were going to be better this year. And quite frankly, yeah. I just have not been impressed with them. And I, I know Aiden O'Connell's a difference maker at quarterback. He's a very good quarterback. But even if he plays, is there anything that really worries you about Minnesota's, you know, kind of stumbling here? Yeah, so um, I'd honestly say I'm I'm a bit a tad bit more nervous this week than I was last week because um, a lot of people do look at Purdue and they're like, oh, I thought they might have been a little more of a frisky team this year, and they've kind of struggled out of the gate. Uh, they had a close loss to a very good Penn State team week one, um, and then they dominated at FCS school. I think it was Indiana State. And then Syracuse, they struggled against. Easily could have won that game, but Syracuse quietly one of the more underrated teams in the country. And then – Last week against FAU, they had a very uh, suspect game, but Aiden O'Connell didn't play. And I, I think when you look at this Purdue team, I think they're really the same Purdue team that they have been. They're a uh, good passing offense. They're going to be able to move the ball against most teams. But like I mentioned, they're going up against one of the best secondaries, I think, in college football. Um, so it's going to kind of be strength on strength there. Um, but I think – it really just comes down to if the Gophers are still as motivated as they have been. Because uh, I, I always say, like, there was bulletin board material for P.J. Fleck to put up on the whiteboard saying, uh, we're not ranked, we destroyed the first three teams, and then uh, no one's given us any respect. And now you're kind of seeing a lot of that respect. You see guys on Twitter saying, oh, they're Big Ten West favorites, all this, all that. Uh, they're now ranked. And you just can't overlook a team like Purdue because they have the talent to, I think, play with Minnesota. Um, that Minnesota, I think, is 12.5-point favorites, which, which might be a little too much in my opinion. I think this game's going to be pretty close. I think there's a real chance this is the second-best team left on the Gophers' schedule. I kind of see Purdue, Iowa, and Wisconsin all in that same tier. Uh, Gophers fans know uh, they've Minnesota's – had their struggles with their two rivals, Iowa and Wisconsin. But this is a game they can't overlook. I think Purdue's going to be competitive. Um, I th Ultimately, I think the Gophers do have enough advantages, but uh, I think it's going to be a closely contested game. Yeah, you kind of just hit on it a little bit here, but looking at the West, what are your thoughts of Wisconsin, of Iowa, 
of the other teams that, you know, can compete with Minnesota for that West title to get to Indy and in the big 10 championship, who, you know, who do you think is the better team between the two? Um, is there another team that you're looking at kind of like, you know, let's just at least watch what they're doing. You know, like I look at Illinois, yeah. I don't think they're a really good football, but they're just interesting enough. And Brett Bielema has got them playing in such a way that they're believing in themselves more than they have in years past. And they're kind of, I look at it as a dangerous team when you have to play them. Definitely. I would agree with that. Um, I was lower on Wisconsin preseason than most. I didn't, I kind of didn't understand the top 25 uh, national hype for them. Uh, they returned a very, I guess, similar team offensively that really struggled last year to move yeah. the ball other than with Braylon Allen running. And they lost a lot of their big contributors on defense. And I think that's kind of shown, but um, I, they're never a team you can count out. They're a good program. They're going to be playing their best football at the end of the year. Um, I personally see Iowa having a step above them. I think if the Gophers have the best defense in the conference, um, that, that I think I was a close second. Um, obviously, Penn State and Ohio State are up there too, but and Michigan. But uh, I was in the argument for one of the best defenses in the conference, if not college football. So I think that's going to keep them in it. At really any game they play this year. Um, they might not be able to score the points to win, but they're going to have a chance, I think, in just about every game they have. So you can't count them out. And like I mentioned, I think Purdue's uh, Purdue might be better than both of those teams. And uh, looking at the schedule this week uh, across the conference that uh, you mentioned, Illinois, that Wisconsin-Illinois game, I think, is going to be really interesting because I think it's going to tell us a lot about both teams. Um, I think Wisconsin's seven-point favorites at home. And, like, if Illinois gets close, I think Illinois is going to have a chance to win that game, personally. Um, but, like, if Illinois beats them, I think that's going to tell you this is truly a really down year for Wisconsin. Um, but if Wisconsin's able to dominate, I think that's going to tell you that Illinois still might be a team to keep an eye on. But Wisconsin's the same old Wisconsin. They're going to keep improving. So that's an interesting game to watch uh, when you look at the Big Ten West race. But I, I'd probably, after the Gophers, say it goes – Purdue, Iowa, and then Wisconsin. Yeah, I think a, another game that if you're a Minnesota fan, you're kind of watching is that Michigan-Iowa game this weekend. You know, yeah. Getting a loss in, in a conference for Iowa would be big, you know, just for all of these teams you're talking about in the West. But just give me your thoughts. You know, we'll wrap up here. Give me your thoughts on the Big Ten overall as a conference. You know, I kind of each week I talk about the tiers of the Big Ten. And, you know, I got Ohio State and Michigan at the top. And then I got Minnesota and Penn State together right there, just below them. And then you kind of start talking Purdue, Iowa to me, you know, Wisconsin's in there, uh, uh, some of the other teams. But give me your thought on just the conference overall. Yeah, I, I honestly think it's uh, top to bottom, one of the better years it has been. Um, you just saw Northwestern lose two very bad games, but there's still yeah. a team that's talented enough and a good coach that never can overlook them. And then, like, Rutgers had a pretty good start. Um, so, like, top to bottom, I think it's really deep. Um, where I'd probably defer uh, most on people is – to the general public is I really, really like Penn state. I think they might be the second best team in the conference. Um, I think Michigan is really good still. And you definitely a top five, if not top 10 uh, program in college football right now. But uh, I, I really like what Penn state's doing. It's the same uh, kind of uh, team that they've had recently uh, with coach Franklin and they have all the athletes and I really like the running back Nicholas Singleton. And I think they're, 
Uh, I guess I think they play Ohio State, but that's going to be an interesting game whenever they play. And um, so yeah, I, the, I'd probably go Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and then I'd put the Gophers below them. And then, um, yeah, but like I said, I think this is – right now there's only uh, four teams ranked in the AP top 25, I believe. Um, but I think we're going to see teams like uh, Purdue – uh, maybe in Illinois, if they beat Wisconsin, those teams kind of sneak back into the rankings. And uh, all the Big Ten teams have kind of beat up on each other to start the year, like Purdue's loss to Penn State kind of got them out of the rankings. And uh, Wisconsin's loss to Ohio State. So I think we're going to see them get some more national love as the season goes on. But I think a deep conference top to bottom. I got one more question for you. I lied. <laughs> I've been talking about this on the podcast the last few weeks. And I, I've kind of been asking people what they think. What do you think about Northwestern? You just mentioned they had the loss to Southern Illinois. They lost last week to another team they should beat in Miami of Ohio. It's been a, a rough go of it for Pat Fitzgerald here recently. He had the the pandemic shortened season. He was seven and two, but other than that, it's three and nine, three and nine. Now they're terrible this year. And in reality, they really should have lost that game to Nebraska to open the season over in Ireland. Yeah. So, I mean. If you're Northwestern, I know he's a legacy. Listen, I grew, I'm just an hour from Northwestern. I've gone to Northwestern games. I, I, I've i been around that program. I remember back when they were really good and in the mid-2000s, going to the Rose Bowl and stuff. But do you look at this and say, you know what, maybe it's time we just watched Nebraska fire Scott Frost after a rough start? Do you, If you're Northwestern, do you consider firing Pat Fitzgerald or you just say, we'll take the bad because we know there'll be some good at some point coming. Yeah. I mean, that's a terrific question. I think uh, from an outsider's perspective and anyone in the big 10 is kind of asking themselves that um, Pat Fitzgerald's kind of made them at least recently into a team. That's always frisky. They might knock off a top 15 team every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And like you said, that uh, year in 2020, they went to the big 10 championship. Um, I think when you think about firing him, all the stuff you mentioned, he's a legacy, all that stuff, you just have to ask yourself, like, who who, who are you going to get that's better? Because right. he's built Northwestern at least into a respected program. This year, obviously, that's kind of trending in the wrong direction, but I, I just don't think you can really do much better because everyone's like, oh, Pat, Pat Fitzgerald's good coach. Even though he's been struggling, I think he's still respected enough to be able to recruit. And I, I think you got to keep him at least give him one more year. But it, it certainly is interesting to watch. I would agree with that. Yeah. All right. He's Tony Lieber. You can follow him on Twitter at Tony Lieber, part of uh, goforhole.com and host of the Believe in Minnesota Football podcast. Make sure you check that out to, you know, really learn about one of the more exciting teams. You know, I, I've watched football all my life and, this Minnesota team has something that we haven't seen in years past. And I think they're a dangerous team because how they can run the football and play defense. And that's in college in the end, that's where it really comes down to. So I just want to appreciate, uh, appreciate the time and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Roll the boat, Scotty Mon, go Gophers. All right. That'll do it for this episode of the Big Ten Buzz podcast. Again, you can catch us twice a week right here on the Believe Network and follow me on Twitter at Adam G. Sager. Uh, follow me on Instagram at the same, TikTok at the same, and check out clips of the show. And uh, we will uh, we'll talk to you next week after an exciting weekend of football. All right, guys. Talk to you later.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.